Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 593. And today we're going to talk about Halo Infinite. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Carl Moon. Hey, everyone. And Tony Atkins. Hello. He's excited. Halo Infinite is a first-person science fiction shooter and the eighth game in the mainline Halo series. There's been quite a few spin-offs as well. We covered the original Halo series a few years ago now, running from, I think, because we did Anniversary and Combat Evolved and Anniversary as one show some years earlier, and then we did two to five, including Reach and ODST. And here we are, because we're now two years on from the release of this one, developed by 343 Industries, released, published by Xbox Game Studios, with uh, Joseph Staten or Staten, never quite sure. Staten, anyone? Staten, uh, coming back on board as uh, the head of creative for the game at some point during its development, which sounds like it was uh, complicated. Um, made in a new engine, I think, slip space engine. And released sort of <laughs> on uh, on December the eighth, twenty twenty one, for Xbox One, Xbox Series consoles, and PC. Um, I think the dates were staggered slightly. It was the first game officially announced for the Xbox Series X, but actually it ended up missing launch by a year. And uh, there was a slight stagger between the multiplayer and the solo campaign, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, yeah. Reviews were solid, uh, not perhaps as stellar as the apex times of the series back in the three and reach days, but it averages 86% on Open Critic from uh, 172 reviewers. 95% of them recommended it as a product, even based on its initial launch. User reviews uh, going since, I suppose, a lot of these will have been added. Uh, in recent times, um, I think opinion on the game has fluctuated somewhat. Um, and I think actually, just by coincidence, we're actually recording this uh, a week after the the curve is trending upward. So it'd be interesting to see where these numbers will end up. But right now, or as of a couple of days ago, when I put this together, Metacritic has a user score of 7.9 out of 10 from over five and a half thousand users. Sales and numbers are hard to come by. The rest of the series is well detailed on this, but because this is a a complex release and also Game Pass is a factor, 25 million Game Pass subscribers or thereabouts at the time of launch. Uh, There was a news story saying that Halo Infinite had the biggest launch in the series history with, quote, over 20 million players. But, of course, that's four-fifths of Game Pass subscribers downloading it or even playing it possibly via the cloud and possibly then never playing it again. So it's not really a a meaningful number in in the same way as sales are, I suppose. But I'm interested in our histories with this one because uh, I actually remember some kind of pre-release chat, particularly with Carl and Tony. But Brian, I don't remember what your what your Halo buzz was like. Let's go back. Well, let's go back. Three years first. Yeah. Uh, were, were you actually kind of all set and ready before the big delay happened? Yeah, I, I think I was. We, a group of friends of ours, a lot of people have a very similar story. Uh, we played these campaigns 
in co-op for all of these games, you know, through and through basically since yeah. since the beginning, um, starting out with coach, couch co-op and then, you know, through the days of online co-op afterwards. And I'd play it through on, you know, Legendary with multiple people. We just use these Halo campaigns as kind of our social space. So, like, there were a few of us that were definitely, like, really reared up and raring to go. And then, obviously, the, you know, delay happens. And then, you know, the, the launch is coming, so we're getting ready for that. And then the, the news comes out that, that hey, you, you're, there, here's a campaign, but you can't play co-op yet. And it was like, oh, okay. Um, it was kind of odd. So yeah. my history with Halo Infinite itself was really a multi multiplayer-only history for uh the first you know year or so it was out and i would say within that first couple months that the multiplayer came out it was kind of a neat surprise i think it was like a goodwill gesture that it was just kind of there early like hey here you go and um i i probably dumped 20 or 30 hours into that at the time um just just playing multiplayer and then i did not play wow. any of the campaign um maybe i played the tutorial just kind of get a feel for it um, until the lead up for the show where I played it in co-op with a friend of mine who we were planning on playing it, you know, a couple of years ago with. So it all worked out right. in the end. Um, but yeah, I ended up playing through the campaign and um, on regular difficulty going back through and doing some of the, the levels on harder difficulty yeah. now. And um, yeah, big, big Halo fan since basically forever. I, I still never forget um, coming to my friend's house, who was the first person I knew to have an Xbox and seeing the first Halo and, and just kind of, you know, being you know, being a console gamer my whole life, just kind of like jaw dropping yeah. and that whole moment. Right. So it, I'm pretty much there for Halo stuff, you know, as it comes out, you know, since that moment. So cool, cool. Xbox Series X, presumably. Yes. Xbox Series X yeah. and a little bit. Um, I did install it on my laptop. I have a, a decent gaming laptop um, for whatever that's worth, because you still have to plug it in if you want the graphics to work. Um, but uh they, cool. uh, I, I took it with me when we were away for a weekend so I could play some campaign up there too. So a little bit on PC, ah. but mostly on the Series X. Nice. Now, long-time listeners may recall uh, Carl as a big fan of the Halo series, certainly in the Bungie days, and perhaps at least in the early 343 days, sort of uh, optimistic, maybe to the point of almost being sometimes kind of defensive of, of, Bun of 343. Um, but I feel like... Uh, although I mean, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to preempt you or spoil anything, but I feel like your, your kind of, your vibes towards Halo have, have changed quite a bit in recent times. However, I do remember you and I actually talking about the, the imminent release of this one a couple of years ago and being quite upbeat for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely one that I was looking forward to. And there, there was a number of reasons for this. So I'll, a quick rundown of my, my sort of Halo affinity is somewhat similar to Brian's. So with the first Halo, I had it on the Xbox and I went around to a friend's. We played it split-screen co-op, did Halo 2 in split-screen co-op, did Halo 3 in co-op, did ODST in co-op. <laughs> you can kind of see where the problem's going to come when it comes to um, Halo Infinite just from that, that run-in. But, mm. you know, we'd, we'd obviously we'd come off the back of of two other Halo games in uh, Halo 4 and Halo 5 that had come out with 343. And both, I would say, uh, had pros and cons on, and I've made those quite clear, I think, on the podcasts that we've already recorded on those. Yep. Um, check them out, listen. Te technically brilliant um, in many ways, those games, mm. but also very, very flawed for fans of Bungie Halo. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. I think we're now at a point where we can confidently say that 343 Halo and Bungie Halo are two different entities. 
And that was always on my mind coming into this. However, we'd seen, albeit the flawed demonstration, the 2019 E3 showcase that, that resulted in a year's delay, that, well, first, it didn't look up to the technical standards of the graphics that 4 and 5 did have. However, it did look in line with a bungee re- representation of Halo more so than the 3431, and that had piqued yeah. my interest. And yeah. it was also leading up to be the longest development period for any Halo game ever. And that's mm. exciting when you look at the sheer number of content that has been in every Halo game to this point, that we were going to be overwhelmed with what was possible on, you know, next-gen hardware, and it was going to look and it was going to play amazing. So, yeah, I was very, very excited. And then we had the year's delay, and I was always of the mindset, look, delay it till it's ready. I'm, you know, yeah. we're we're all quite, you know, maybe long in the tooth now. <laughs> I think we're all in our 40s, near enough, I'm, you know, 40 in two months. <clears throat> and a bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> a bit. And we all have quite the backlog. You know, it's fine. I'll oh, play yes. other we're all slowed under with other games. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we'd rather wait for I things to be I celebrate the late nowadays. Yeah, yes, so do <laughs> yeah, I. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. A year's delay. As long as it comes out before I'm dead, I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly it. And the release came out, and I downloaded it, and I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated the campaign from the off. And. I dropped it uh, very, very quickly and ended up picking it up again for this podcast because we had to do it. So it was one of those where the podcast was a great motivator to actually get a recording done. And in the time of hating the launch of the single player, the lack of multiplayer content and direction had also caused me to fade away from that multiplayer and I, I, you know, I'm a member of the subreddit. I do read those things. I read all the news posts out about Halo. I always have done. It's you know, so I was always aware of the things that were happening. But it was a very strange thing where you want to be supportive and you want to love the game, and it feels like this is just not something that's directed at you. And of course, this came, you know, in in the meantime. I think in the Halo Five podcast, I'd already said that. Maybe it was time to take direction away from 343 and I'd got into quite a negative headspace. So you were right. I was very positive about 343 and what they were trying to do. And Mm. over the arc of things, I've kind of come out the other side that actually, do you know what? It's been a long time. And yeah, just the whole direction, the communication and the launch of that campaign with the Mm. lack of features, notably co-op and mission replay, I felt criminal and... I felt, as a long-time massive fan of the franchise, I felt somewhat offended that we'd waited this long for what felt like a husk of a product. So, yeah, it was... I mean, we'll definitely get talking into a lot more of what made up the content, but it was definitely a bittersweet launch. All right. Uh, Tony? How do I follow on from that, eh? (laughs) Give us your own story. Emotionally story. Your emotional... I think it's standpoint. It's it's very hard to um, to sometimes separate from what we were expecting and what we were given and and where we are now, right? And sometimes on this on this show in particular, you know, we we look at products of what they are when we play them now versus what 
maybe they were when they were launched because you know this is what we're kind of the code we're playing with um but that's probably for a little bit later on the, on the in the podcast but i'd say at the time i was super excited because you know we anybody who knows me knows that halo is probably my favorite series of games ever to be released you know there's so much there in both in the lore in the way that they've played and yeah there's certain games in the series that i prefer over others but for me you know i've always every time i've put on a halo title i've always had that kind of that that happy glow feeling you get from playing a series that you generally love but to carl's point yeah i i've always been you know acknowledged that 343 have always struggled with picking up the mantle of Bungie and you know whether anybody could ever have picked up that mantle from Bungie other than Bungie I guess we'll never know and one of those things that we're always talking about is why does it feel different to play a 343 game versus a Bungie game when they have the code from Bungie (laughs) surely you should just take that code and make it feel like Mm. a Bungie game but that's simplifying development to a point that you know yes yeah I guess it's probably not quite that simple and and they wanted to put their own spin on it and make it and 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 keep it you know they obviously intended to keep it fresh and make it fresh but actually in doing so perhaps they've undermine some of the aspects that the the old the old guard of halo fans of which we're all members uh to whatever degree um yeah they, but it, they, they perhaps took elements away that that didn't need taken away it's also strange us. sometimes going back to the older halo games and actually seeing that you know they they also needed to modernize a number of aspects of what the original halo yeah, games absolutely. are yeah, so it's yeah, a difficult yeah. but, but beyond that coming into halo infinite i think Yes, the game was delayed and it, it was quite an embarrassment. I think the fact that, you know, you had the Series X launching was meant to launch with Halo. It was on all, all over the boxes, everything. It was all, the campaign yeah. was all set up and suddenly yeah. they didn't have a launch title for their brand new console. And, you know, it was complete egg on the face. But was it right to delay it? Of course it was because it was, yeah, you know, it was yeah. that, that, bold step, that really. E3 showing was a disastrous showing for him because visually, you know, yeah. The, the the game had been in, talked about and in development for a very long time. You get your first real look at it, and it almost looks like you know pre code. Not pre, no. It it looked fine, but just it didn't blow many people away. And the Craig yeah. meme came yeah. out from it, which most people would know if you belong on the internet. Of one of the brutes looking <laughs> ridiculous. You know his facial. Unfortunately, unfortunately, his facial animations hadn't loaded in. And, you know, out of a, yeah. what, a 10 minute demo, that's what people focused on. <laughs> but, um, you know, but there was yeah, aspects. There were other aspects as yeah. well but on the was... technical level. And we should remember, of course, that it was also being targeted for Xbox One, which. Absolutely. For yeah. understandable reasons, but also possibly held it back visually. You know, I've been, I've been, I would say, one of Halo's biggest supporters throughout every single show. And, um, but I think people will remember if they went back to Halo 5 show, I was really, really down on Halo 5. I didn't like the yeah. direction it, it took the story. I didn't like the direction it took how the game played, the scenarios it set out, just the way the whole mm. campaign unfolded, the enemy structure. I really, really loved 4 and felt like, you know, they, they had got, you know, 343 had got a grasp of what Bungie were trying to do and just needed to refine some stuff. And it just felt like with mm. 5, they tried to reinvent what Bungie were trying were, were attempting to do and, and that felt off. And then Infinite seemed like, a complete reaction to the the discourse around five where not a lot of Halo fans seem to like the direction of that. And it and it almost seemed like the reboot of the entire series. The fact that it was called Halo Infinite meant that it was gonna be this thing which had infinite amount of content dropped into it. Okay. Uh, all to, be it story, be it multiplayer. 
it was meant to be this massive reboot for the franchise to bring it into a kind of current modern gaming environment and that made me excited because you know i i you know as a as i guess that hero figure of xbox's platform it made me excited for that to be kind of put front and center now history tells us it's only been two years what they planned and what we got wasn't was two very different things and you know it's going to be an interesting podcast to kind of dissect of what the dream was and what the reality was and how it's landed you know post two years of what that kind of initial big splash of what they wanted um for my history uh, I just I've played it on Game Pass, same as many others. Uh, didn't uh, I was yeah I was looking forward to it in that um, I was I, I had a good feeling that it was going to be an attempt at a return to what made Halo Halo. Whereas I didn't feel I didn't really get that from five or four to some extent. Um, you can listen back to the shows for those uh, those games, and um, you know you'll probably find that I'm not wholly negative because I didn't hate those games. Like they weren't actively dreadful experiences for me, but they just weren't special in any way, you know? Um, Whereas Halos one and three to some extent and reach really were special games for me. Um, So yeah, I played this one mainly in co-op with our own Darren Gargett. Also been back in to play some solo map, hoovering and things like that and i've played some multiplayer but not any battle passes or anything like that um yeah i want to talk more about the multiplayer later but yeah i've certainly um spent a good few hours with it and got quite a number of achievements um and yes in the end of the story at least uh yeah we'll dive in back into the story stuff now uh listeners to previous halo shows will know that i do not give a flying one about <laughs> the Halo story uh, or lore or anything. Um, I have certain fondness for Chief and Cortana because of nostalgia in 2002 playing Halo for the first time and it blowing me away. And I thought the basic setup for the universe and the world was absolutely fine. And then from Halo 2 onwards, I completely lost interest. Um, I think the cutscenes in the Master Chief collection are, are stellar, but... I don't care what's going on in them. So I will hand this over. As I understand it, um, they pretty much, based on videos I've watched, they they pretty much disregarded what happened in Halo 5 for this one. Is that? Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably going to have the least to say about it with the history <laughs> and hearing, just hearing Tony and Carl talk in their, in their you know, their histories. But I was... L- basically this entire game playing it again and, and paying attention to the cutscenes and trying to figure out what was going on with the banish and there's all these like big kind of evil enemy type guys that you're looking around and all I'm thinking about is just like at the end of five wasn't Cortana about to take over the world like isn't that like how <laughs> five ended like I'm trying to do I'm doing the math in my head like like wait a minute like so has she been destroyed that now. universe like, like, not world you know <laughs> yeah I, yeah universe yeah um I it was one of those things that, like, when we we picked up, I was expecting to pick off pick up from a story that I remember pretty clearly, and then was immediately brick walled into the. But now there's this other threat, and I'm just like, wait, what's what is what happened to the last threat? You know, and and I was never able to really make sense of that to the point where, um, weapon was that was her name right mm-hmm. in this one? Yep. Um, 
what where she is clearly modeled after Cortana and and has a lot of same mannerisms. We would we would call her my friend and I would just call her you know bargain basement Cortana or we'd have like nicknames for her that we would come up for Still during brand. the game, but yeah. just because it felt like felt like there was something some huge piece there missing, but I didn't have the cognitive capacity or the knowledge of the lore all the way through to to connect those dots. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's. I described this to Tony because me and Tony did have a co-op session uh, in the week prior to this recording where, you know, I talked about that break in the story that, you know, it's probably quite well known that the Halo 5 story direction was not a popular direction amongst the fans. I praised it for the braveness of that decision. Mm, yeah. What I didn't expect was to step into a game where it's like, oh, yeah, all this happened. Yeah, she's kind of gone. And I described it as it's like releasing, um, you know, it, it's like releasing Star Wars uh, Episode Five before Episode Four, and just being like, "Oh, the Empire Strikes Back," but you've got to know what happened in A New Hope, and it it's so weird because it feels like Halo Infinite is a whole game after a game that came after Halo Five from how mm, it introduces yeah. the story, and it's really really bizarre because. You know, we know that Cortana is, you know, she's had a corruption. She's gone really, really powerful. She's about to go and dominate the galaxy. And then Infinite starts and you're fighting the Banished and something's happened and Cortana's not a threat anymore. And you're like, have I have I missed something? Like, uh, am I really that confused about what's happened? It does yeah. pick up those pieces at the end of the game. And it does explain the, the transition between I mean, five, and, ish. five and infinite by the, t- the time the story wraps up. Look, this game is not memento in how it delivers a story back to front. It it fills a couple of the gaps in, but it still feels like there needed to be a whole game there beforehand to give the context for the impact of the direction for the story. And that is really, really bizarre. And I'm not negative on the story of infinite, by the way. I'm negative on the handling of the bridging of the story between five mm. and infinite. I can always tell in those co-op sessions where we're really engaged with the story or we're not, whatever co-op game you're playing, because you can feel those pauses in the cutscenes, right, where you're either listening, both players or whoever you're playing with are listening yeah. intently to what's happening on the screen, or you're just talking over it because it's nonsense. Um, I went through this recently with Gotham Knights that came to Game Pass, <laughs> playing it with the same friend, and the minute cutscenes are happening in the game, we're talking about our kids, we're talking about this, talking about that, you know, like we're we're not invested in the story, right? And at the beginning of Infinite, we were. And slowly over the course of the game, those conversations would start to seep through to the point where, like, at the end, I was re-watching cutscenes from my play session on YouTube because I, like, did I miss something? Was there something big there that, like, happened? And I, nah. there wasn't, unfortunately. <laughs> so I probably have a slightly different take because I actually don't think Halo Infinite's story is anywhere near as complex as most people. And I think that's for me, it's one of the issues with Halo Infinite. Its story isn't as detailed as it could be. And actually, you know, I've... I'm not going to bore people because I've got like 10 points here that I've written down on a piece of paper that would explain <laughs> how the story beat worked throughout Infinite. But if I just read it out verbatim off that piece of paper, you're going to go, uh-huh, and it won't make anybody that engaged. But the, the general the general gist of how it picks up from five, because I just that that feeling of people did not want Cortana to turn out to be the bad guy from in, in five. And that's essentially where they were taking that journey of the story. And, you know, I guess who you're making the games for yourself or the community and that, you know, artistic vision, all that stuff. But the community spoke and said, look, you know, 
she is a bedrock of this franchise. Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, which direction you take it here? And I think Infinite was that kind of knee-jerk reaction back the other way to somehow make sense of why Cortana had turned out to be ultimately the ultimate bad guy of the universe. And to put it into a simple thing of what Infinite picks up and how it kind of readdresses her story at the very least, you know, what she's been doing, she picks up uh, in five, she essentially decides that she is going to, once she's gone rampant and become a bit more kind of um, a rogue AI at this point, she decides that the only way that the universe is going to be safe is under her and all AI protection because clearly everybody else has done such a terrible job in the you know the millions of years that have happened in between and that it just needs logic to fix you know the the woes of humanity the prophets the you know, the forerunners and even the precursors before that and that as a basis is like yeah once again I can almost like oh god but it so she you end up in infinite going well hang on a minute like I didn't want her to be the bad guy. And the weapon is essentially a copy of Cortana, but her base mm-hmm. model, like absolutely stripped of, I guess, Cortana the, 1.0, yeah, no the, updates, so you know, the humanity, the factory settings. Essentially yeah. the humanity that has come through playing all the different games and her connection with Master Chief. And I know a lot of people laugh at the idea of uh, the AI and the, and the Master Chief and this love story and, and all that stuff. And fine, laugh away all you want. But, you know, there's a lot of people that have invested in that relationship of whatever you decide it to be. And I think it was that kind of that... <sighs> That kind of magic wand they try to shake to say, look, you know, ultimately Cortana and at the end of this game, she does die. She sacrifices herself because she wants that you're Hrux, the big banished guy that essentially she brings in because ironically, the UNSC comes in to take uh, to take her down and are on um, the the center ring that you've landed on. And she doesn't want to be stopped in what she's doing. So she brings the banished in. That's how that fight happens. Oh, essentially the banished kill, uh, attempt to kill Master Chief. He falls out, blah, blah. And that's how you pick up the Halo Infinite. But by doing that, she realizes actually that the banished are going to have all the power of the galaxy in itself. So she destroys herself and Aatrox. And that's how you then pick up in the start of the story. And one of the, I think one of the good things it does do is by leaving those kind of like those breadcrumbs of, data in in the world you come across like the faults and memories of Cortana throughout the history of that that kind of relationship and they're trying to build that back into both you and the weapon and essentially Halo Infinite is the restart of building you with a new AI Um, it's more complex and it's more deep than that but that's where the story tries to pick up is basically recorrect the wrongs that they've done with Halo 5 Um, but it's a bit messy in the way that it does it and I think the reason why it's messy for me is because the game is so segmented in the way that essentially the, the missions yeah. Yeah. drop in and out. That it, rather than if I think about a classic, atypical Halo game, you have story, gameplay, story, gameplay. But it's like there's a story beat that goes on and on and on. And you kind of move from one environment into the next and everything interlinks. The way they somehow, we'll get into to Infinite, the way that they they drop that content in these massive gaps of play between delivering those pieces of story again, that you kind of then lose track of where, what was being delivered to you. It's too fragmented. Um, but there, I, you know, I, I'm going to go on record and say, I actually think Infinite Story 
it was a decent attempt to rewrite the ship of some of the mess that they created by themselves, which, you know, wow, you know, down with faint, faint uh, praise, I guess. Mess is strong, though, Tony, because you're turning about the mess. It's not a mess. It's people didn't like it. Halo 5 had a story that made sense. It wasn't what they advertised, uh, but it was definitely a story that made sense. It's not a mess if people don't like it. It's called not sticking to your guns and seeing something through and and doubling back. And look, this is where it's very symptomatic of the approach that Microsoft and 343 have taken in this generation for running studios. And it's no coincidence that the same things that impacted the story in being fragmented are the same things that impacted the multiplayer, the same things that impacted the technical infrastructure, the same thing that impacted the graphics, same thing that impacted the engine. It's across the entire studio you see these bricks because of the management of that studio. There's a reason why heads have rolled and accountability has had to take place at the start of 2023. But to bring it back into, into I guess, what we would have to move the show forward, like... I do actually think the story and the performances are well enough handled. There's some, you know, there's some actually, there's some decent scenes in there. And there's actually some, I would argue, a few little touching scenes, certainly in some of the, the kind of the little recon um, devices, like at the start of the game, you know, you have the um, uh, Espinada's kid, um, you know, calling back and memories from that and seeing you know, pretty much all the, the different Spartans that have died throughout the conflict as you move through the environments. Um, you know, I, I think there is some touching stuff and I think the voice acting is also stellar. So, you know, I, I think... So I agree that the, the performances were, were, I think, mm-hmm. really well done. Um, I think particularly with Weapon and with the pilot of the ship whose name escapes me now, um, who's always exasperated. But I, yeah, yeah I, I, but he, I thought that performance was, was really good. Um the the thing about it though is that it feels like all the story section. This is probably going to bleed a little bit into gameplay and like kind of the design of the game in, in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the way that that story that you very eloquently explained, Tony, and made me feel more comfortable, like kind of seeing where the the Halo story is at. The way that that was presented to the player were sometimes in these you know these long, like you said, more linear and big air quotes sections that have story beats throughout that feel like classic Halo missions, right? And then some of the other stories, some of the most important story that you just described is in the middle of a quest where you just have to you have to find three locks and unlock them. And you go to the bottom of a tower in one of the open world sections Mm. and then you get there and there's a Cortana vision. But like the entire time you're there, you get done with that and they're just like, oh, one down, two to go. And then you like in between that story beat and the next story beat, you could go right to the next tower and do that. Or you could do this mission, or hey, there's a collectible at the top of that. There's a Spartan um, uh, point I could get for an upgrade here. Like the way it tries to tell some of the most core moments of that story, you could see them linearly and in succession if you chose as the player to do that. But the the setup of the world itself that wants you to explore, that wants you to go and look for these extra things and and to, to peek around the environment could sometimes make you so disjointed from the, the, the narrative, at least me, my, my experience. I, I they... think, um, you know, history has told us what happened with this game, which is basically there was more biomes than the one that we experienced. And there was more sure. levels yeah. than the one we yeah. experienced. And 100%. I, you know, through hearsay and different things you've seen throughout the time, it seems like this game was heavily 
cut and edited by Jason Statham. Jason Statham? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Statham. that would have been good. Well, Statham, Joseph Statham. Yeah. Um, that would be a very... De- jo- yeah. yeah, that would have been amazing. <laughs> Joseph. Yeah. Um, Coming next fall, The Fixer yeah. with Jason Statham. He comes in and saves your development. So, right, lads. By the sound- Let's sort this halo out. By the sounds of it, this game was twice as long... This game was twice as long as what was presented. It had, you know, there was a snow biome that existed. There was other areas that you would fly to, and there was different. Sure, and yeah. by the sounds of it, because because it was longer, and because of all this stuff, the story was even more segmented out across multiples of hours. And he came in and said, "Look, you know, this isn't what Halo was is and." That's partly what that year break was, was a huge amount of content was cut. And that's what, for me, that's why the single player elements of this game feel so disjointed because sure, I think it was. I just think there was stuff you you were meant to fly off that ring. You were meant to go different places. They were adding in cutscenes to make sense of being just in one place. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think as a whole, they managed to get a product to go out there and probably write that ship. But I, you know knowing what this product probably was set to be and what it turned out, I think, yeah, it would have been more of a traditional Halo adventure uh, with different biomes to visit. And instead, they they drastically reduced the size of the game to to deliver it into more of a coherent piece rather than this. It has infinite. got indoors and outdoors. <laughs> no, I mean, so, well, so this can... To a, degre- to a degree, but, you know, it, it sounds <laughs> facetious... But actually, and it gets really, really interesting. And it's no, you look, it's no coincidence that they brought Joe Staten in. You know, this is the guy that headed up the story of Halo 1 through a reach. Oh, for sure. All of which do a pretty good job of telling a story. Um, I, I think 2 is a misstep in, in, in being able to tell a story, but it's still there. But when we're talking indoor and outdoor, it's really hard to tell a story in open world games. It's been we've Absolutely. mentioned it on several podcasts in the past that you kind of lose the flow in open world because, as Brian said, oh here's a Spartan court, I'll go and get that. Oh, I'll clear this FOB. I'll, I'll you know I'll do this and that, and then you kind of lose the momentum of the story. And it's it's quite funny because I know exactly the moment that Brian was talking about in his example, and I did the exact same thing because I came back to it a few hours later and I was like, what was I supposed to be doing again? And <laughs> yeah. I genuinely couldn't remember. I actually had to Google it. So. But when we're talking indoor and outdoor, it feels like the outdoor bit is the bungee-looking bit that we saw in all the demos. But right, actually, the yeah. indoor bit takes us back on the single-player story, mm-hmm. but yeah. a lot of it is the 343 very yeah, shiny totally. metal corridors. And, yeah. you know, they've always been in Halo, and that's fair enough. Yes, the tech has allowed them to get shinier. Probably the early ones in on the yeah. Xbox and the 360 would have been shinier had the technology allowed. <laughs> it would, but they were also never the main part of the stories. They yeah, were yeah, yeah. a means to an end. You know, you think, like, okay, the silent cartographer, right? It's probably the most famous of all of Halo's mm. levels. And a lot of it does take place inside, but if you say silent cartographer to anyone, what are they thinking? They're thinking of the beach landing, they're thinking of attacking the cliffs, they're thinking of driving around in the in the warthog. Absolutely. They're not yeah. thinking about those indoor bits. And 343 seems so focused on having their story delivered through these closed corridor metallic environments. Hmm. And it really, really hurts. But also, that's where they deliver the story, and that's where the story is actually quite coherent in, mm-hmm. in Halo Infinite. Yep. And it does a much better job. The campaign, if it was a linear story with none of the open world exploring, I think would have delivered a much better story without the distraction. But the good thing is, uh, for those of us who don't 
give a toss about the yeah. story. Um, I'd, I, I was actually in, interested and intrigued by the idea of the open world. And actually, that was probably the element of the game that I preferred so much over uh, 343's yeah. previous attempt. And Absolutely, I would say, I, and I see yeah. why. But I would yeah, also that... then argue that the the problem you have, if you took out the open world from from this game, I don't think there's enough variety in the environments in that single player in those kind of like story feet. Yeah, that's the problem. Given, I mean, it is all just oh, yeah. shiny corridor interior environments. Now it makes sense if you know that there's the Zelda ring that Zeta ring that you're you're on essentially is like a Noah's Ark of all species what you know those little plates that you see as you wander through like one of the environments you see like these disc plates going across in fact it was funny carl got knocked off and then <laughs> ended up getting died killed by one of those but essentially that's like oh. the repopulation of all species on this one particular ring because the idea was eventually that the inter- well, the, the world would be completely cleansed as a weapon to, to kill the flood, etc. We, we're going way back in Halo is history now. It's like, so if you know what this place is, you know the significance and the silent auditorium, the place where you have that big fight at the end, that essentially is like a, a forerunner um, auditorium for convictions of entire species of wiping out, um, you know, entire species from existence if they weren't achieving the, the goals which had been sent to... Like, once again, I can hear people rolling their eyes, but if you know these things... Like there's some really interesting stuff going on in those environments, but it it doesn't mean they're that actually that fun to play inside those environments because right. they are quite yeah. stat. I mean, there's a lot of hype, but they're quite static. And also, you know, some of the like the things like killing the sentinel, having combat with the sentinels inside those environments, like that that's not fun gameplay. Like the the flying sentinels that are going around, like I know who they are, I know why they're there. At the same time, it's like. I didn't never really like engaged it and enjoyed that as a combat aspect. Yet to Leon's point, coming back into the open world, that reminds me more of Halo. And I have had some brilliant individual kind of jumping around, flying around fights, but they're almost meaningless because they're just like these random open world fights that don't really have a story connected to them. I'm just trying not to bespoke our craft. Yeah, I'm just either. trying to unlock a dot on the map, and it kind of has that Ubisoft. Like, just tick every tick box, which, of course, I did because that's me. But at the end of it, it's like, fine, I spent 10 hours, 15 hours clearing for a map. Didn't have much emotional drive to it, (laughs) like going back to the to the earlier games. I do want to talk a bit more like the biomes point you've made is really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it, but it does kind of now I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah, it's all just the same biome. Isn't it? It's like while I was playing it, I kind of I could sort of semi justify it. But then thinking back to the original Halo, which is set on a Halo, you've got all the different, yeah, uh, different I mean, environments on, you know, the, on the ring. Different environments. Yeah. And it would have been really nice. But actually what there is, I do want to talk about, you know, how 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 we think it looks in its finished state albeit we all played on series x none of us played on xbox one or even series s so we're seeing it at its best in in inverted commas um (laughs) but i still have a kind of weird um position on this because if you said to me well uh, literally i'm doing it to myself now what does is halo infinite a, a good looking game and i'm like i don't know like it runs really well it's everything's clear, you know, like you can see what's you can absolutely see what's going on. 
There's some, you know, quite nice textures here and there, but there's also a lot of stuff which to me looks really patchy, um, repetitive. The the Darren pointed out to me how kind of how few tree models there are. And once you notice it and you sort of, you know, and you combine that with that sort of uh, heavy use of the kind of hex, uh, hex, hexes that make up yeah. a lot of the landscape, which in itself I think is a perfectly okay idea, but starts to look like um i don't know it, yeah it looks kind of rushed and unfinished i was playing a bit of multiplayer um the other day and some of the textures on the ground are just like is that meant to be like that yeah. it, and so it also rough. goes beyond that and i speak and me and carl were actually talking about this during our carb session like if i think about jumping in a warthog and, and driving around my favorite levels in any particular halo game or any kind of open environment which any of them have done like they're fun they're just like you're bombing around and you're jumping over little jumps yep. and the cameras are a, a much different angle in here like it's like you're going over a mountain and there's little mm. precipice and crests that means you're having to stop dead go around like well yeah move especially with the floaty cars that 343 are the, so obsessed the seemingly don't with. feel right the mongooses don't feel right I, everything's too light everything's too light <laughs> so it's you find yourself going well i could take this transport mode of transportation just grapple or i just, just grapple, grapple everywhere, everywhere. because yeah. it's yeah. actually far easier mounting to... goating like you're in skyrim half the time so as what well. you end yeah. up is <laughs> i did so that all the time you yes. end up in a, in a scenario where you have this incredibly large array of toy box of toys and then you ignore it all because the environment that they dropped you in. It reminded me of the fun. horses in Breath of the Wild, to be honest, uh, to, yeah. to in that extent. It's like lovely horses, beautiful animation. You've got this whole uh, thing where you can rope them and train them and put them in the stable and name them. But it's it's more fun and redundant. easier just to just to absolutely yeah, made themselves around. redundant. And yeah. Halo is the vehicles like that is what has for the longest time separated Halo from its peers is the ability to use the vehicles in you know, uh, either solo as a mode of transport, in co-op as an actual weapon, in terms of your approach to taking fights and, you know, the, the, the strategy involved in it all. And then they brought a grapple in, which I think is, you know, I enjoyed the grapple. But in doing so, they built it on a landscape that made the vehicles absolutely yeah, and, redundant. And it's funny then, because I think the one time I actually really enjoyed a vehicle in, in the game is there's, like, you, you end up making, like, this attack on the actual one of the final base areas. And yeah. it's a and it's a preset level, and the views much more on the floor, um, and you get and you find you know yourself into actually one of the, the scorpion tanks, and like you're slowly moving through the environment, picking off people from a distance, and you've got the halo oh, really? music playing, and just like you you're taking care of this vehicle because it's a fun landscape to move, and it's just like yeah, this is this is Halo, like I don't know what what this whole ring, what, and it and that's what makes me. Feel frustrated with the or Tony frustrated with the product. You could have taken my approach and grappled all the way around the outside on the right hand side, mm. jumped straight up onto the ledge and pressed the button and walked yeah, in. But then you wouldn't have got the achievement to, to run through the tank unharmed. You know, <laughs> so, you know. there is a part of me though that you know this. Um, we'll probably move on to other aspects from the visuals, but yeah. but there is a part of me that really feels like they they clearly were aiming to completely change up the formula and get and you know and go in a different direction and. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind that kind of reaching. Uh, it sounds terrible. Reaching for the stars in in changing this entire entire idea. I just, it just didn't come out at the other end as a coherent whole. And so it's easy to criticise. But I I think if you were to sit down and go, okay, look, we want to move this game into 
a content delivery platform and that probably is where the issue becomes right so be it both single player and multiplayer this needs to be a platform that is going to evolve over a period of time we're giving it the name infinite how do we achieve this and then clearly at some point that that ambition had to be reined in like it just whether it be you know being caught up on the xbox one platform or whatever it may be they had to rein well, in the yeah. ambition and you're left with a product that feels every bit like there's been content taken out like there's been an, an, an edit that has happened and they've done a good job to kind of fix those seams back together but clearly it still felt like overall there was some editing that happened that wasn't quite as you know made a coherent whole um i just want to briefly obviously i'm conscious of time and we've already done however many other halo podcasts talk about the audio but um I suppose one thing worth mentioning here is that it's interesting. Obviously, um, we had, as well as uh, Martin O'Donnell back in the early days, and who was the other guy who worked on the earlier ones? Uh, Salvatore. So yeah, uh, and then was uh, Jin in the the more recent three four three ones? Forgive me, I'm forgetting the names. Um, another composer, but now we've ended up in this one with uh, four different composers. Um, including Gareth Coker of uh, Ori fame. Um, O'Donnell, obviously, they they thoroughly fell out with, and um, he doesn't get a credit, even though some of his themes are used here, which uh, seems yes. slightly... Uh, but, I, yeah, I'm sure there's, they've come to some <laughs> agreement about that. Um, but overall, um, I think the audio in the game is uh, is is pretty solid, pretty, pretty cool. Um, some, you know, I know it's kind of a bit heavy-handed, leaning on the nostalgia of the sounds of those certain piano notes, those certain oh. chants and all that. But it's, it's not yeah, always a bad thing. Though, it works it, for me. Yeah, it works for good. me. Yeah. And, and you know, the obviously they have changed a lot of the gun sounds over the years and stuff. Um, is there, is there anyone who feels that they particularly, you know, did the, did they come up short as regards to the broader audio design or uh, so, were they very happy? Uh, I, 343 have this habit where they continually change the sounds of their weapons every single game. Right, And yeah, they've, they've yeah. got more and more away from, you know, the bungee halo. And yeah. I'm not necessarily against it. As I said, I, I like the concept of making your own identity and kind of doubling down and really sticking with it. I think that Infinite is their best showcase of punchy weapon sounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's certainly in terms of the... And I, I hate this bit about the game... The kinetic weapons, uh, ripping straight from you know Destiny oh, yeah. Two in that regard, right. uh, and they sound really punchy because we've got reference in real life. In terms of the uh, plasma weapons, etc., the 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 much of a muchness, much more subtle than the other ones. Uh, the vehicles, still not a fan. But what I will say in terms of the voice lines are much better delivered. They've actually really gone to town in making the grunts back to what Halo grunts should be in terms of actually being quite funny. Uh, in terms of the music, I think that the music delivery in this game is by far and away the best thing about this game. Uh, I think they've done a a really stellar job of remastering the classic sounds and introducing new music that genuinely genuinely feels like it's Halo. Like you you listen to the new tracks and you go, 
that's from a Halo game, and that's kind of the best compliment that I could give them about the soundtrack to this game. I thought it was really, really strong. Yeah, the implementation of it, I think, is probably the greatest achievement that the the music does here. It's le- it's less about those songs and how good they are or are not. You know, like those, uh, especially the classic tunes that we all know and have listened to and, and seen used over and over again. But it's when they're used to good effect again in a way that would surprise you, um, w- which is hard to do after eight you know to eight games of using similar sounding themes and tones. And there are just times where you like you'll you'll just cross a vista or you'll be entering into an area that is a bespoke area that you're not quite sure where, you know, where the line is dividing it, right? Like where you're going to cross some type of invisible line that says story happens now and music happens now. But the way that that's gated and the way that's delivered to the player, I think is very impactful. It it stopped my, um, my buddy and I would play co-op with it. It stopped us multiple times mid conversation where that something would hit and you'd hear that music kind of swell up and we would just both get silent and like focus on what we were doing. And, I think more impactful than the, uh, yeah. than the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And well, that, so, and to piggyback off what Carl said too, that was the number one improvement to me was walking up on enemy groups and hearing the conversations and hearing the stories like yeah. that was, especially in the, uh, you know, open world in quote sections where you wouldn't expect much from just like these little teams walking around, but they've done, they did a really good job of, of making it feel like these were, uh, these grunts were characters that had relationships with one another. They were out on patrol. They were annoying each other. They were in love with each other. They were this, they were that. And just that little flavor is enough to, you know, you gleefully pistol whip them. You know what I mean? As you're coming yeah, up to them. It like makes you smile. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I thought that it's... was used to incredible effect in this game. And that's probably just, uh, just them getting better at doing that over time. I would think. And, and maybe, you know, just so, as part of some grander design thing, maybe with a lot of the edits they had to make, they did have a lot of extra dialogue and, and sound, you know, for those other sections laying around that they were able to, you know, maybe use. I don't know, that's, a lot of that's conjecture, the, but um, I did really enjoy those sections. The propaganda towers yeah. that were manned by grunts um, were very funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, we must hear from some uh, correspondence from our uh, Patreon and community, starting with Adam revival and extinction podcast on patreon who says halo is a game that i first got bundled with an xbox for my birthday in 2002 and the first four mainline entries along with odst and reach are games that i have fond memories to this day playing with friends in split screen co-op or over lan multiplayer these days my son and i can still have a good co-op experience albeit with a few extra steps with myself on the series x in one room and him on the one in the other We jumped onto this game once the co-op campaign had been added and delved into the beautiful next-gen world and story with the Master Chief experiencing a semi-open world experience with his new ally, The Weapon. With stunning graphics and an interesting storyline, with Cortana being the bad guy along with the Brutes returning, we have had a ball. And I can only hope that when my son is older, he sees the memories of Cooperative Halo with the same affection that I do now. Um... Yeah, and I'm also, you know, because I was, I was going to say the one, th- one thing I was going to say on the graphics is that, um, you know, there, there was, there was rarely a moment where I thought, oh, that's beautiful, that's stunning, you know, like it, 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 it was passable, occasionally attractive, but seldom did I find it like I didn't, didn't have many moments where I was like, I just stop and look at that because it looks so it, great. It's disappointing because, and I made this point to Tony, is that. I think there's a really strong argument that Halo Falls the best looking Xbox 360 game. Like that game looked phenomenal on an Xbox 360. 
Halo 5 looked phenomenal on an Xbox One. Halo Infinite just doesn't stand out from a crowd, and that's so weird when they've kind of, mm. you know, they've, they've set their marker out of, we are a visual studio. Whether you like that art direction or not, the actual fidelity and structure of those graphics was unquestionably excellent. The, the scope titles. of the project changed, and that's ultimately, I mean, that ultimately meant that they couldn't just focus on these tight corridor arenas, and that was that. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. But then again, I would argue, actually, the original Halo game, to me, is still a bit more visually pleasing, not in a kind of, like, technical, like, oh, wow, but I think just from moving through the environments and different biomes, Direction yeah, it's more visually it. pleasing, yeah. not necessarily from a technical point of view, just the way that it's laid out. So... Anyway, a few points that we need to hit before we kind of run away with ourselves and time. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss was the difficulty of the game. So we had a lot of discussions on previous Halo podcasts about the selection of difficulty and how much it could affect one's experience. It was a game where a lot of us recommended actually pushing our limits to play on at least heroic, if not legendary, to get the best out of the experience. Now, I think Darren and I played this mainly on the default difficulty level which is just like normal i guess but we had some fights that were really quite challenging and and to the point that i was thinking i'm not sure i'm gonna ever go back to this one to do it on harder difficulties was that just circumstantial were we being rubbish or is this game actually uh, have any of you played on heroic legendary equivalents and come a cropper there's no easy answer to this one uh leon um it's more around the structure of the design. So yeah. the game as a whole is not that difficult. So I did it in Legendary Solo. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have has... problems completing it, but some of the sort of um, the, uh, like the, what they call the high, high, high value targets and stuff like that yeah. would, yeah. would so occasionally give us massive issues. This is the design issue of this game. So Halo 2 released and it had bosses in it. Mm-hmm. And they sucked, and everyone hated mm-hmm. it, and Bungie mm-hmm. never did them again. Halo 4 <laughs> comes, and they put some yeah. bosses in it, and people are like, that sucks. So 343, three, go away. And they come back, and they go, we can do bosses, so we've put more in five. We've proved they can work, and everyone yeah. hated them. Mm. They've come back and not only doubled down, but just gone ridiculous numbers with the HVTs and bosses in the campaign. And mm. do you know what? They all suck. Every single one of them are less fun than fighting a normal enemy. I don't the mind that HVT goes out actually. the window. I like because that's the, still Halo gameplay. Uh, it's not but... Atriox. Who is it? The guy with you. You gotta hit Eshram. the. Yeah, thank you. I like that fight. Honestly, Ugh. I really did. Really, um, we were we were goofing around with it and running around the room and like I, again, I was playing in co op. I probably wouldn't like it if I was solo legendarying it. Legendary. We certainly laughed a lot. I'll give you that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I I think maybe. Liked it for the wrong reason, definitely potential. I think that if I was playing it by myself that entire time, I would have been w- remarkably frustrated at some of those sure, uh, yeah, boss. Yeah, um, yeah. It was the at the design like, of Eshram is better because it's not just a case of oh yeah, he just takes more bullets. It's right. a case of oh actually, you need to knock these shield regenerators yeah. out, and, and actually there was a strategy. But so I what and tell me what if this was your experience too, Leon? Because I think we might have experienced some of the same thing. Like the, mm-hmm. the high value targets definitely had some issues with those. But I also feel like the difficulty in this game was less about the structure of the arena and the setup and the end. Like it, it just felt like, especially that last pace as you're coming up to Ashram, those those like testing grounds for the banished. Like it was just like, mm. oh, 
you, last time there was two hunters. Guess how many hunters this time? Three. You know, it was just like taking the <laughs> hard enemies and throwing another one. Last time there was one invisible yes. guy with a sword. Now there's two invisible guys with a sword. Right. Like, it, right. it just feels very much like attacking on rather than a thinking about the actual encounter. Mm. And I, exactly. again, not, well, I can, yeah. So I can probably answer this the best, I'm going to say, because I've completed the game four times now and on four, nice four separate difficulties. So nice. I can actually tell you how, how it pans out. That's so from right. Carl's point of view, he's not wrong. Actually, on Legendary, it's a pig of a game. There is some there's some moments where actually, I mean, what it makes you do. So you have the grapple shot, which you know I think is actually a really great improvement into into the game because it means that you can ultimately you know move around some of the higher echelons of the environment. Sure. So in- yeah, before you continue, does anyone dislike the grapple, or shall we just say that was quite a fun addition to an open world Halo? Have you ever grappled onto a banshee and hijacked it? That is some yeah. good yeah. fun. <laughs> That's some good time yeah, right there. It's... <laughs> Tony, back to you and, and legendary. No, so, so if you, if I give you a, a, a one example, two examples here. So, um, there's there's a room in particular. It's just, you know, it's a nondescript room, but it, like there's there's quite a high uh, ceiling that you can get yourself up to. Now, on easy, you can run through, and you wouldn't even know this room existed any height in it. You can just barrel through, kill things on the way, have a bowl of a ball of a time, and get through to the other end of the door, and probably leave people still shooting at you as you walk through the door. I mean, that's Halo, that's easy, whatever that you, whatever if you fancy just seeing the story, there it is. Um, on your average difficulty, you'll still need to take cover, make sure your shield's being regenerated, but you're still probably just pushed through that room, and certainly in co-op, it's, there's be a hell of a lot of fun of just kind of like leading people away. The same old thing, breaking down shields, making sure that you then kind of double gang. Pistol is still a ridiculously overpowered weapon and headshots are, are king. Good. You know, <laughs> all that stuff, and that plays really well. The moment you start getting into the harder difficulties, some of those, you know, I think hard's probably the the more kind of sweet spot of kind of mm. forcing the player to understand the combination of you need certain weapon to take down certain boss. If you do not do this, you will die. Like, and that's you know, you prolong the game's time quite considerably because every room it then yeah. becomes a challenge. You got to strategize. Legendary, and I found you know I found the same actually in two, which was a real pain of a game yeah. to, to complete a legendary mm-hmm. but this one Agreed. you can enter a room and be it things like the sentinels which will almost one shot kill you or the jackals that will one shot kill you with their with their you know, rifles um yeah and i can think of that same room where i've i've attempted it four different times on four different difficulties and had four completely different experiences on legendary i spent best part of like 40 minutes going for a room that took me the best part of two minutes on easy because i had to get up to a, a you know a top corner take down the big guys ultimately move around look for save points that i could then engage in and then eventually get to a sure. door that opened now i find that stuff interesting and entertaining and challenging but when it came to some of the bosses and i the second thing i'll give you is the spartan killer so he's a boss that goes around kills like half the your team before you actually get there and you're following his trail like him uneasy you can essentially you know kill him in one or two goes around in that that lower room him on legendary oh my god you can be trapped with him with like a one hit kill weapon and you're using your threat detector to make sure you understand where he is within the environment. You're having to use different gadgetry. It takes ages to reduce his health. And like he is a proper battle where you're like, oh, my God, I, I may have hit like a you know, a slam door in my face here. Or at Aatrox at the end, actually, like Carl says, there's a 
a, a sense of bringing down his shields and then just but you're, you're kind of like just doing this strafe run around and actually i'd imagine on co-op like some of the stuff on legendary would be a hell of a lot more kind of attainable because you had one person kind of holding back but it's like every halo game like it has high points it has low points did i find it the most entertaining to play on legendary definitely not I and mean, i think the difficulty is more just a difficulty than an entertainment factor and i think that's probably what the so question I was, was. Ask you yeah tony if you don't mind would you have pushed through if there wasn't an achievement involved like it like were you enjoying um, it to the point i've where done you all the or... other games on solo legendary so so yeah so okay. probably yes yeah. um just because it's a series I mean, you of... and i share an affinity for achievements i mean i don't have the points you do but like i will definitely do things that are like that i know in the moment that i'm doing like wow this really isn't that much fun but boy i like it when that achievement <laughs> pops yeah. so i i know yeah. that feeling i just wasn't sure if that was something no, that I, like but you would have pushed through either i would have pushed okay. through either way but i also don't think i think there is a skill check uh balance there that is off and i think the the mm, bosses okay. and stuff and the open world becomes less of a a fun in, engagement because you can be shot by jackals from places you can't even see them it's, it's just one shot kill so i don't know my advice would probably be play on normal and then move it up to hard if if you're if you're finding that slightly easier and I'm, i'd imagine probably on co-op it's we've only played a little bit didn't we carl i think that was just on was it normal or hard it was maybe on hard wasn't it we were playing mm. on I think it was hero. Uh, no, it was normal. Yeah. I think. And that, but that was a co-op. It was a damn good fun. You know, damn good. You know, just playing it three times through single, uh, four times through it single player, and then just you know messing around a co-op was really entertaining. And it's such a shame it's taken a year. What? Oh, yeah, it took a year to to get implemented in the game. Mm. Ian Ian Ianson from our forum says some of the best shooting I've ever felt in a game, but the vehicle physics being too twitchy, the world only having a single biome, no scarabs. And a slightly too formulaic open world structure prevents this from reaching the heights of Halos 1 and 3. For me, so close to greatness, I hope they get another shot at a big single player game again. Um, shooting any uh, any weapons that people that stood out to people, any new tools? Called the, the Mangler? Is that what it's called? Mauler? Mm-hmm. There is a Mangler. Love the Mangler. Yeah, that Love one shot, that, that pistol. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that thing. Pistol shotgun. Yeah. It's that... the best implementation of that oh, that they've ever had in a Halo. Fantastic. I loved using it in the campaign, and it's and it's a ton of fun in multiplayer, too. I, I That yeah. that gun is, is a real joy to use. There's been a couple of tweaks, and, and look, it's consistent. The weapons get tweaked every kind of game. Of course, and, yeah. You know, the, the, they're trying to break the balance of kind of the... Uh, the battle rifle. Sorry, I was going to call it the DMR then. Mm. DMR's not in it. It's battle rifle again. Um, battle rifle's still the dominant gun in the game. But, you know, it, it, they can't shake that. But the Mangler's definitely up there. Mm. Towards the end of the game, especially on Legendary, you kind of have to use the Sentinel beam. Um, it oh, leans right. very heavy on that. Uh, it's kind of as a, a almost as a requirement, which is a bit strange. But also, that gun has sucked in so many previous examples, and it's actually really powerful and, and, and good in this game. So I would say the Mangler and the Sentinel Beam were definitely the two that were the most surprising for me in terms of effectiveness and wanting to use. But then things like the Plasma Pistol, look, the Plasma Pistol-Pistol combo, forget about it. Like, it was such a good thing. They all home on, they everything homes in on you so strongly in this game, particularly on Legendary, mm. yet nothing you seem to fire an enemy on Legendary seems to go at the enemy, and that's kind of frustrating, which means that the actual balance of combat that made Halo great is no longer a thing. It becomes more like Call of Duty of using an accurate weapon and picking headshots. You know, you get a brute, you shoot it, 
you know, you shoot some brutes, you know, once to remove the helmet and then headshot mm-hmm. them. Another one, you shoot them twice to remove a helmet. And then the third one, you shoot them three times to remove a helmet. And, you know, <laughs> it's it just becomes kind of, as Brian said, it's not a sense of balance. It's a case of we're going to throw one more of these tough enemies in on you. And it's like, okay, you're going to, and it gets to the point, it delivers like the hunters and then it'll deliver you the invisible elites and then it'll deliver you those stupid running brutes that are like straight out of serious salmon. Then it'll do all of them in one fight, and then the next thing you'll do two rounds of them, and, and that's how it, it upped the difficulty in the later game, and that really kind of annoyed me. So that's why you end up having to lean on guns like this. It's funny you say that because yes, uh, although I agree with that, I when I still think of how, like my fun experience with Halo, even in Infinite, it's that kind of shooting, 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 running out of ammo in a weapon, quickly switching out into the next one, utilizing that whilst reloading. Mm-hmm. And there is a kinetic nature for although there's not a kinetic, I feel like the environment's working in that favor of you. There is that kind of swapping really quickly between, and it doesn't feel like then that kind of, I think in my headspace, like that Call of Duty kind of, or even um, Fortnite, like the kind of like we people like switching over, over and over and over again, just kind of like swapping between weapons just for fun of it. It's like, you know, I'm utilizing for this and I need to move to this, but I want to make sure I reload this before I go into this and, and there's a you know, gun. And I think that stuff is probably more entertaining in some of the the less harder difficulties where you know, it is very much a, a case of attrition versus you know just pure fun of picking up any weapon in the environment and seeing it through to its end of its magazine. I get what um, you're saying. It also, magazine. It's, it's kind of reduced to a moot point with the uh, forward operating bases too because if you are forced to pick up a banished sure. weapon or whatever in the field and you're on a mission and you do that and like, Oh, you might find this cool thing, but with the ability to fast travel to a forward operating base, like if you, if your setup is just the, the battle rifle or, and, and the, and whatever your combo is that you want and you've got those boxes right there, it's like, oh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to pick the two weapons. I like exactly. and go. It, it like, that's what I did over and over. Yeah. It eliminates the need to improvise. So you don't necessarily find yourself incentivized to improvise. Um, and that, in the linear sections, it was fine. Like like those those long corridor sections we talked about at length before. Like you'd just run out of ammo for stuff, and you'd have to pick stuff up. All, you, all of a sudden, I'm rocking I, a sentinel beam and a needler, and I found those moments exciting if the environment it, necessarily didn't match it, and then vice versa in the open. It's world. funny because obviously this this whole conversation has been very much focused on the single player, and we've yet to talk about the multiplayer. And you know, we we you know it could go on for hours about this. Too. But I'd also find that we're talking about weapon balance. Like when you move into multiplayer. It's less, you know, it's, you know, those, those weapons are obviously there, they're on the the floor and you can pick different bits up in it. And like, I feel, I feel like they react a lot better to human type enemies versus just messing around within the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mm, ultimately you've got lots of things, lots of players moving and sometimes you haven't got the right weapon just to attack that, you know, you know that if you're going to go one-on-one against another player, like the weapon you have in, in your pocket isn't going to work, certainly if they come around the corner of the thing that scares you. So, like, I, I found myself, <laughs> yeah. like, having to do that kind of back and away, if I'm, when I'm playing multiplayer, like, back and away, this isn't the right weapon for this scenario, having to find something in the environment, move them. Like, and it, I feel like it's in tuned a lot better for the multiplayer than it necessarily was for the single player. Yeah. Also, one thing I wanted to add in terms of the, the, the speed of the gunplay if I'm outside of the single-player levels, I always kept my battle rifle, even if it was empty, as my gun, and I would I would rotate a second weapon because the battle rifle was so dominant that I would rather stay with a, a weapon that had no ammo in it in the hope that I would find ammo than use one of your other weapons. That kind of highlights how unbalanced I found those weapons. But also, in the levels where you are forced to change weapons, one of the great things the grapple does is that you can actually grapple a gun from a distance mm, and bring yeah. it to you, and that was a really good addition. Yeah. 
Sean S. Thomas from our forum says, Halo Infinite was my first proper Halo experience. I bought an Xbox to give the series a try and initially was in love with the campaign. The combat felt weighty, the traversal fluid, the vehicles fun and the world dynamic. Much of the first half of the campaign felt exciting and unpredictable. But as the game went on, those icons on the map grew repetitive and the indoor levels paled in comparison. Reduced to a frustratingly claustrophobic corridor shooter with frustrating boss fights. Sean, get the Master Chief collection. <laughs> yeah. Zap to the past from Patreon, our Patreon, says the combat in this feels as glorious as it ever has, with freeform moments of madness happening at any given moment. The open world works brilliantly, allowing a wealth of approaches to each situation, and the ability to call in ever more vehicles from your FOBs just adds to this. What doesn't work so well are the mini-boss encounters in restricted environments. I'm not sure why 343 keeps including bosses when they have managed to get the wider battle combat loop spot on in Infinite. Still a fantastic game, though. Ben Johnson, also from our Patreon, says, Allow me to just pile on here for a moment and say that the bosses in this game were not good. In the rest of the campaign, it was finally starting to feel like 343 was figuring out what made the Halo series so much fun to play. The sandbox. The boss battles always took away any of that ability to improvise and have fun with the environment. And sure, there are other games like Destiny that have found a way to make those types of battles sort of interesting, but even they took a while to find a way to make them feel like less of a slog. This is the only Halo I haven't played through more than once just because I can't be bothered to face those dang bosses again. Too annoying. Magnus Berg from Patreon says Halo Infinite is such a weird chapter. I got bored with the campaign and dropped it after a few missions. I really don't think the open world formula worked. However, I played multiplayer religiously the first season. Sadly, the battle pass progression felt awfully unrewarding. I miss Reach. More on that shortly. Ashton Herman from our Patreon says, I think the multiplayer for this game is as great as Halo may have ever been. The game feels super smooth and polished to play and the core Halo gameplay loop is fully intact here. I do miss some of the additional movement options they added with Halo 5 that aren't present here, like the Hover and the Spartan Slam, and the refreshed list of weapons is hit or miss. But I think the good outweighs the bad. The Needler has never felt so good to me as it does in this game. They've made some good decisions about monetization too, primarily with how they handle battle passes. Players can purchase past seasons passes at any time and there's no limited window in which to complete them, completely eliminating whatever FOMO you typically get from a, from a battle pass. It's a great idea that more free-to-play games should borrow, and probably the next best thing to just dropping the idea of battle passes, loot boxes, and microtransactions altogether. That said, I can't believe how terrible the game's UI is around multiplayer. It's in better shape now than it was at launch, but it's wild to me just how broken it all was and continues to be in some areas. The selection of game modes was extremely limited for many months after launch. Post-game reports were and are extremely scaled back. The game never did get those assassination animations we were promised, and the party system was buggier than the entomology exhibit at your local zoo. It's a game that feels like it needed another year of dev time to stop its already numerous delays. It's obvious it had a troubled development history, and it seems like upper management was largely to blame, although I doubt we'll ever hear the full story. The game's original creative director and Halo 5 director has always been very careful not to say anything disparaging about his time at 343, even on his own podcast. 
but I always get the feeling there's a lot of pain and frustration there. It's interesting that he mentions the UI because the UI came up quite a lot as one of the causes for not actually updating the multiplayer because hmm. the UI couldn't, the UI was the reason they couldn't update stuff. So the, the whole playlists and stuff were, were wildly broken at launch and really frustrated hmm. a lot of people. And it was all UI issues. I should just say that uh, all these, uh, or pretty much all these posts, uh, some of the Patreon ones were written recently, um, but even they were possibly ahead of season five's launch. So I don't know, that might have changed a few Mm -hmm. things. I know, as I say, the positive, the reception has trended much more positively in the last week or so even. Certainly a lot of these forum posts are from quite some months ago, including Julia2000, who says the shooting's never been better. Shock and banished weapons add even more tactical depth while throwing fusion coils or parrying jackal shields with your grapple hook are phenomenal. Halo's complex combat puzzles, punishing difficulty and tactical AI are perfect for an open world. For the first time, the story successfully adds pathos and good character arcs while retaining the big budget action feel. The visuals are crisp and punctuated beautifully with primary colours in an age of muted and fuzzy cinematic games. The multiplayer is endlessly dynamic and involving, not to mention the cat ears, and it has the best grapple hook in gaming. Julia loves some Halo Infinite. Shields from the forum says the multiplayer is just Halo gameplay perfected. I don't engage with the online competitive stuff and I'm too old to understand battle passes. (laughs) I know I know the feeling, but with four of my mates and loads of bots, the games have been a mixture of hilarious, infuriating and very, very fun and sometimes all in one match. The first few maps definitely need more variety, but the ones we returned to, Livewire, for example, felt like they were perfected in terms of the modes, Slayer and Oddball being particularly amusing. The addition of Forge maps and the new maps being added, the game opened up and we loved going back in and experimenting with good and well-designed maps and one where it was a huge Walmart with tanks that might have been the silliest online matches we've had (laughs) since DK mode in GoldenEye 007. (laughs) So, yeah, um, we need to be conscious of time. Um, but I know that uh, between you, I, I'd say I've only probably put in a, a handful of hours, maybe three or four into multiplayer across the time. And really, my, I, I suppose my question to those of you who have invested more time, and I've never, I've not bought a battle pass, I gather some of the microtransactions are horrifically expensive um i am also too old to understand battle passes so i've just been i've just dropped in and played a few games i've had a perfectly okay time it um it's performed fine uh it feels like halo multiplayer but i was just spent the whole time thinking what am i getting here that i couldn't get from the ridiculous amount of content that's already available mm. on the master chief collection i will make an effort to be as brief as possible on saying sure. this is that, that when I downloaded the multiplayer when it came out early early in quotes um, I got into it and I really enjoyed playing it I think it feels incredible to play I think that the four just just the way that the setup and the maps that they had available at launch um, I think were were really great and then what I found out afterwards is that you'd finish these matches I'm like I'm gonna get the battle pass so I got the battle pass and I went in like full-on in and the the ball they dropped at the beginning of Halo multiplayer, which has since been rectified, is that the only way you could gain experience for the battle pass is to complete whatever challenges they had set out for you, meaning that you weren't just getting experience points for every map that, for every match that you played. And this was a problem that was solved in 2007 by Call of Duty Modern Warfare, 
nothing brings a player <laughs> back after a two and eighteen match. You die. You got two kills. You died eighteen times. But at the end of that match, guess what? Your bar got a little bit fuller. The numbers right. still went up. You still yep. felt good about something that you had done. Yeah. And and this was it had none of that. And I was so mm. frustrated that I was like, mm. all right, I'm done with Halo multiplayer. I have played more in the last week than I had when I did at the beginning. Um, yeah. So I probably put 20 hours in or so over the last week and a half, yeah, whatever, nice. ever since season five launched. And I've been playing it every night. I'm having a blast. I think it's awesome. The the updates that they've made to the experience, to the That's battle cool. passes. I went back to my old season zero battle pass and completed it because, as Ashton said, I could just activate that pass. That's I'd cool. already for it. I approve it, of that. It was so cool. And I felt so like I felt like instantly welcomed back and I was getting experience yeah. just for finishing matches and like. They've they've done a lot for that, but I will say that without this podcast recording, mm. I never would have known any of that right. happened. And and, and however, I do want to say that as I understand it, and I'm I am I'm too old to understand battle passes, person. Um, without battle passes, there's just nothing to nothing. Yeah. aim for. You've you've just got the, you know, and I'm not saying that the pleasure of playing the game and like you know you might play a game of you know five aside in the park and it's just about playing and who wins that game and that's fine and there's no you don't get a xp points for having done it or whatever um and and i get that but i think you know given that we have had so many games post 2007 in particular with progression systems at least some some kind of reward i don't feel it i don't find it very welcoming that i i load up my game i've got all these options i don't really understand um in terms of battle passes and microtransactions and some of them are saying you know please give me i don't know how many pounds of actual money for some cat ears or whatever it's just you know like i get it it's a business model that isn't particularly aimed at me and it is the way the industry has gone in in a way of bringing in revenue that didn't used to be there but um but it's it's not working on me and can i i just want to add one brief thing before and i will shut up i promise even halo 2's online multiplayer had a little number next to your name for your rank that you didn't really know how it went up or down. It was it was a mystery to me at the time. I'm sure some people have broken it down, you know, sure, figured sure. out over the years what math was going on behind the scenes. But you knew that if that number went up, you were playing good, and if that number went down, you were playing bad. Right. Even that had some indicator of your yep. progress and, yep, yep, yep. and, and well, I, your So and, I, I think competency. it's twofold. I'll I, I tackle the reason why they didn't um, do that for the Season 1 Battle Pass stuff is because they didn't have enough content for people to blow for the Battle Pass in a week, and then there'll be nothing for months thereafter so they limited it mm, to yeah. challenges yeah. because they were well aware that the upcoming you know next content drop was six months away versus six weeks away which is absolutely a a, a disaster for them because if they shouldn't if they, they knew anything they knew how this industry worked and you can keep people for so long but they need a drip feed of content because the other games will give you a drip feed of content so why move away from them and but that was the reason why it wasn't there is because they didn't want you to blow through their battle pass within seconds. Um, sure, absolutely. Thankfully, they've. I think the reason why people were so happy with season five is because over the last two years, they've sorted that cadence of content out. There is bits being drip feed, you know, every month, month upon month, and there is reasons for players to stick around. And the game has always played good, but now there's a reason for people to to be you know within its environment to to, uh, to play that content but you know a bit like leon i find it so funny like i grew up when multiplayer was a, becoming a thing and i remember playing literally 
hundreds and hundreds of hours of Halo 3 just for the fun of playing hundreds and hundreds of hours of Halo 3 multiplayer. Yeah, and I sure. played hundreds of hours of Call, um, uh, not Call of Duty, um, Gears of War, just because it was fun to play hundreds and hundreds of hours of Gears of War. And I didn't expect yeah. anyone to reward me. But I no, also sure. have you know, daughters now that engage with Fortnite battle passes and other mm-hmm. battle passes and knowing that, you know, the whole culture around seeing what my kids, um, you know, what they expect from games like Roblox and whatnot and how that content delivery, it's night and day. And unless, you know, I, I watched, you know, my, my daughter plays Fortnite. She's really good at it and it's good fun. And it's not Call of Duty or anything. It's like, it's not freaking around and, you know, breaking her mind. But to see her like go, right, I this month's battle pass is here. I need to do X, Y, Z. And she goes about herself systematically going through a game like, and just repeating stuff over and over again to Absolutely. get that. Now that's probably some of my achievement hunting side of it. Like right? I was going to say like, there are definite filtering down yeah. into her, but it is quite refreshing to come to Halo Infinite with battle passes. You know, like you said, Brian, like my season one battle pass was still there that I brought and I, and I could interact with it and play it. And it was good fun. And I like that idea that you aren't just, you've got a month guys. And once you've gone through that month, you're never seeing that skin again, unless we we sell you that skin in six months' time for you know forty two pounds uh, that you want. And it's just like mm. I look at that stuff and go, oh my god. Um, so how much is is a is an average battle pass, and what can you get from it if you do like most it? battle pass? It's like twenty, isn't it? Like twenty quid, but at the same time, it was it, eight, no, it's yeah. not that much. Uh, it was nine nine ninety nine American. Um, but, oh, yeah. but at the same time, you can get credits back that you can then spend on... So, yeah, if you complete the entire Battle Pass, you will gain enough credits to theoretically purchase the next yeah. season's Battle Pass. Okay. So yes. It's not it's not just a one and done. But yeah. So I think, you know, if we, we're talking about multiplayer. I think the multiplayer has always been fun. I mean, actually, when it hit, there was a lot of people. I saw so many reels of people, like, knocking people off, um, you know, vehicles and, and jumping on them, seeing them fly off the map, using the grapple hook, coming back. And I think that the core of that stayed there. But... It's taken the best part of two years to get a cadence of yeah. content sure, for people yeah. to engage and interact with. And I tell you what, though, it's no mean feat getting people to come back to a game because I, I you know, in this industry, you know, this this has cost a lot of money for Microsoft to continue, yes. you know, delivering content for a game that had at times gone down to a thousand or so people playing it on Steam. You know, some of those figures that we saw, wow. you know, there, it was. Like, are you sure that you want to be supporting this? And they have. Have they managed to, to claw it back now into a region where it's a, a well-played game? Um, but it's, yeah, it's 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 a whole different world. I think that than what we grew up yeah. with, and it's it's weird to see an interact yeah, with. Yeah. The multiplayer is interesting. So it, it, it's quite funny hearing Tony talk about saying he didn't need to be rewarded for playing Gears of War a game that needed a lot of kills to get achievements in, or in Halo 3 where you did actually see ranks and you were able to track your stats, um, something that you couldn't do on Halo Infinite at launch, for example, uh, which was really, really annoying for me. Now, I did play it quite a bit at the start, and I you know, I, I stepped away from Apex Legends is what I would have been playing at the time. One of the players, professional players in Apex Legends is a Halo legend in terms okay. of multi- competitive multiplayer. Yeah. Eric Arona, better known as Snipedown. He left the Apex competitive scene from the best Apex team around, was winning all sorts. Um, He went to Halo, so I followed Halo Infinite's competitive multiplayer scene as, as a result. He's since gone back to Apex, which probably tells you quite a lot about where Halo went in terms of the multiplayer um it was 
okay. They were real and uh, I believe still are, but definitely at launch there was massive issues with server desyncs mm. where what you saw that. on screen was not what the server yeah. was seeing. Yeah. So what you would actively be like, you would put a full clip of a magazine at the back of someone and the server actually just didn't think you'd hit them at all, even though your screen showed you hitting them. And that's obviously a massive problem. Oh, yeah. Big Team Battle was broken because it had random vehicle drop-ins. So uh, a good example is I remember playing and we got dropped a gun goose. Yeah. And over on the other side, they got dropped a scorpion tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's still, by the way, the case. Also, <laughs> yeah, asymmetrical massively so. There you go. <laughs> and a Big Team Battle had a real... The network code is really questionable at 343's end, and Big Team Battle's code actually deteriorated, so it actually got worse over the time from its launch to the point that they actually had to stop it as a mode. Mm. The UI also meant that you couldn't update other playlists. So if you had a challenge, for example, like Brian was talking about, and it'd be like, oh, yeah, kill five enemies with a shade turret. There was only 10 maps, and I think only two of them had a shade turret. Mm. And then you would also rotate four modes, and not all those modes had the shade turret. So that became really problematic. Like, that, that, that is really difficult. So then you get people farming, and it breaks the whole cycle of that. So the multiplayer was a little bit of a mess. And in terms of the community side of it, in the bid to support it, was really poor in terms of communication. Now, say what you want about Bungie. When they were at the peak of their powers, no one ran a better community-driven product than Bungie did in terms of weekly newsletters went out, all the stat things, the news posting games, like they were so active and they, uh, 343 went quiet. They started doing, I can't remember what the drops were called, but they said, oh, we want to get to the point where we deliver one a month. After that, it took them two months to deliver one. They delivered one more and then they cancelled those. Um, If you need a case of how bad their mismanagement was in terms of the community, they did a Juneteenth event where they did a, a BLM emblem. And that BLM emblem, and I wish I was making this up, was called Bonobo. Yeah, I remember that. It, uh, um, which snafu. Yeah, things. that is really, really poor. Um, like I said, they blamed the UI for a lack of playlists in terms of their support for that. Uh, you couldn't region select when you were in, so you could get ended up, you know, it wasn't so much a problem for us because, hey, we're fortunate we're Europe. But when you were following the subreddit, if you were Australia, it was hell to find a game because either you didn't find a game or you ended up in a game in Europe and your ping was absolutely atrocious. So those kinds of things were missing. Uh, in terms of the store was super highly predatory. There's a very famous Angry Joe, whatever you think about Andrew, Angry Joe as a product on YouTube, where he's ranting about the fact I think it was... Um, eight pounds or ten dollars or something for a blue armor now blue armor red versus blue the halo series blue's always been an option they were actually selling it but then they locked all those shaders to cause now obviously season five opened up the cause but it meant that you couldn't mix and match the armor for the unlocks that you were making which is absolutely insane because that's kind of what halo was always about was having some customization or earning customization towards your armor you know i put north of a thousand hours in the halo reach unlocked the um inclement weather and all these kinds of things was so proud of that that going to halo infinite it's like oh yeah you've unlocked that but you can't use it on your current set you could put it only on that one and that you could you know it was really really awkward um the season pass so i bought obviously i had season zero i bought season one 
Season one ended up elongated six months. Season two was elongated nine months. And then they finally got to a drop. Um, they had these awkward challenges. But of course, despite the lack of content, Tony, they were still allowed you to pay $2 to skip a challenge if you wanted to, because, you know, there's no crime against making money, sadly. Um, and that was really, really disappointing to hear. And it was just so poorly mismanaged from a kind of a customization, from a mode set, from a feature set, from a back-end networking set, and from um, in terms of how the community communicated with you. It was just really, really frustrating for me and left a really bitter taste. So whilst I did enjoy the start of the... Uh, infinite multiplayer the reading more about it and the playing more of it kind of started to highlight these problems and these weaknesses that it really had and they weren't getting fixed they were actually getting worse and halo infinite launched it it could not have launched at a better time in multiplayer because the games that it was up against was call of duty vanguard which is one of the most disliked call of duties in a long time and battlefield 2042 which also had yeah, an incredibly rough which start. Which was broken. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's also in a very good place yeah, right yeah, now, by absolutely. the way. But awful launch. So its two biggest competitors, I mean, EA literally blamed Halo Infinite mm. for why Battlefield 2042 had such a poor launch. So it couldn't have launched at a better time, and it still highlighted these problems. And then there was no custom match game browser for a long time. Those numbers fell off massively. Twenty million players it, to start with, one thousand not so long later. Yeah, yeah. and there was a yeah. there was a really interesting thing that I read on Reddit last week. So it was one week before we recorded this podcast, and it's, you know this is the end of October, and it was people really enjoying season five. Yeah, like you know, like I've not played season five yet, but I can probably say that season five is the one of if not the best thing that happened at halo Infinite i can tell you since it's launched right now that everything we said about this game and all the problems that it had that are all completely true what i am doing after this podcast is going upstairs making a cup of coffee and i'm playing yep. more halo season five it's been a blast it's been and i'm playing by myself i'm not like in a group i don't have a like a squad where you don't go out and play and like, that's i'm awesome. just hopping in for five six rounds and then bopping out i'm at like level 31 of the battle pass like it's it's been a ton of fun. And that's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want. And that's great to read about people doing this and talking about it. But there was a great thread, and the question was, how does Halo Infinite pull its player base back? Because it had a massive launch in terms of player numbers, and it fell off massively, and you don't get to pull a huge percentage of those back. You know, for, for every Brian coming back, there are hundreds who won't. And the, and the only reason how I'm do back you get them back because of the conversation we're having today, because I... Because I was, I felt I yes. would not have been doing my due diligence to this conversation without checking it out. And now I found one of my favorite gaming experiences of 2023 is Halo Infinite. Isn't that crazy? Mm. But I never would have come back. Even if somebody said, oh, I heard Halo's good again. I would be like, yeah, but, you know, Animal Wake 2 is coming out. Spider-Man, you know, I'm going to, you know, I would just find a million reasons to not play it. Um, it's slightly yeah. different to the old days in that... A, a large number of people who have got this have still got it and they haven't sold their copy of it it like point. would yeah. have happened so there is there is more scope for people to come back to it if the if the buzz is strong enough and it and it has started really well um but i'm not I'm sure it won't you know, attachment to ownership as well yeah um and more competition um but yeah i'm i'm not suggesting that it will have a lazarus like resurrection where it will be become the number one multiplayer game in the world or anything. Obviously, it's not going to be Fortnite, but I think... Yeah, not everything can do Fortnite. It, That's the it example, could, isn't it? It could find itself in a in a healthy place where Microsoft actually feels like it was worth all that remedial work and 
future investment, I suppose. Andrew Elmore, indeed, from our forum says, Halo multiplayer has never felt this good. It's absolutely incredible what they managed to achieve here. I just wish there was some more bespoke maps instead of adding UGC maps into rotation. Oh, well, given all the layoffs at Microsoft Games and 343, if I'm recalling correctly, and how much buggier it's gotten recently, I'm not getting my hopes up for more support on that front anytime soon. But I'd love to be wrong. I think this was written before season five. The live service hooks feel very strange and distinctly non-Halo to me, but I might just be an old man yelling at clouds again. <laughs> New Dark Cloud from our Patreon says, My opinions on this one are so heavily mixed that it's hard to give it the love I want. I actually quite like the story of the campaign and liked exploring a new side to the Master Chief and his relationship both to Cortana and the world he saves over and over again. Additionally, the combat still feels as good as Halo should, with a new grappling hook adding a whole new dimension. On the other hand, I feel the open world does a disservice to the overall package, taking away from the tightness and focus that I expect from a Halo game. Similarly, the sponginess of the boss encounters likewise detract from an otherwise solid experience. Multiplayer also suffers a similar dichotomy where I've enjoyed my time with it, but I can't deny that the monetization and lack of updates have severely crippled uh, what could have been a fantastic aspect to the game's long tail. There's solid gold here, but it's often trapped so deep in the mines that it's hard to dig out. Again, possibly, uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, written around the launch of, of Season 5, so possibly worth going back. Uh, Sam Bailey from Patreon says, A superb entry into the Halo franchise that feels a victim of poor PR and a rushed launch of its multiplayer. Despite being regularly updated with new maps and modes, it feels like Infinite never managed to truly recover. Is it too late? Well, that's what we'll see. Alex79 from the forum says Infinite felt like a culmination of everything the series had done up to that point. The guns had never felt so good. That's several comments we've had along those lines. And the world we had to play in coupled with the new traversal mechanics meant endless fun, zipping around the map, popping off headshots. The campaign itself, I thought, was good. It's a shame it trails off towards the end and becomes a bit of a generic corridor shooter within quite bland internal areas. And some of the bosses were a bit frustrating the variation of enemies was quite low sorry and the variation of enemies was quite low but the positives outweigh the negatives for me spawning in warthogs and tanks taking over rally points and a kinetic feel to the combat was all super awesome fun i'd like to see them build on this formula because although halo infinite was great the next game could be incredible couldn't it always Squibster9 from our forum says, My first Halo experience. Initially impressive. Smooth gunplay. Loads of fun with the grapple hook. And set in a narrative enclosed, sprawling open world design with plenty to explore, traverse and fight. For a while, I was hooked. But it just starts to grind. Finding the third or a third of a fifth beacon down in the southern continent or something else forgettable. I just couldn't go on. Just no overall satisfying narrative or gameplay purpose to the enjoyable but wearing and repetitive game loop. Hulking and broody Master Chief, well-designed but forgettable enemies, a generic pilot and personality-free fighting companions can't drive a meandering story. Cortana was the only character I wanted to see the progression of, not to mention the atrocious vehicle handling and a cut-and-paste environment I'd previously forgiven. A shame it had real polish and potential, but failed to deliver a satisfying whole. Andrew Elmore again. 
says the story felt strange to me, but I don't think there's a lot they could have done after the events of Halo 5 without effectively ignoring it, which they did a pretty good job of. Infinite is sort of a soft reboot in that sense. The open world design taking inspiration from Combat Evolved's second level is an interesting idea, and I think it largely works here because it's a big old Ubisoft-style world, but it's not choked with cruft. There's great combat to be had, excellent momentum in traversal, the grappling hook, and plenty of exploring to be done. No one's sending you on radiant side quests, or if they are, I didn't notice them because I was too busy having fun. Boss fights are still a conceptually difficult thing to pull off within Halo's framework, and I don't think it was necessarily nailed here either, but I'll give them credit for trying. Honestly though, much as I enjoyed the main campaign, I've spent an incalculable amount of time in Tactical Slayer, their new take on the classic SWAT mode. All in all, Halo Infinite is a complex package of discrete pieces that don't always fit neatly into a whole singular, but my prevailing emotion left over from my time spent with the game is still, I can't believe it, they actually did the damn thing. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned uh, one of the big Season 5 additions is uh, a very popular mode from the past, uh, which I think, was it first in Reach? Firefight? Yes. Yeah, it's not quite released yet, is it? Was it ODST? Was it ODST? Was the first one I've played? Oh, maybe, maybe. So maybe. it's it is released um, from community point of view. Like people can create maps and you can play there. Yes, they haven't officially. I mean, it's due in the next um, couple of yes. weeks. Uh, and I was playing some community that stuff, is- and it was you know it is what community stuff is. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I can see where you know someone's cut corners here. But I was mm. I was having fun with a, a just a firefight team that is around me. Just jumped into a you know a four player thing, and we were defending a, a base mm. from multiple stuff. It reminded me of the, the kind of the good yeah. old days when you just hoard just, mode. Yeah. <laughs> the the tools for the community driven stuff, I should add, are pretty fantastic, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones when you look at the package what it is two years later. I mentioned this er, so early in the in the show, you look at the package two years later and there is like it's a huge content you know, did drop of content mm. in one single identity. And sometimes it's hard to pass, say, like all of that into its own like some people might mm. just be into multiplayer some people might be in the single player some people will spend hundreds of hours creating levels in Forge for the communities to play some people will just play those community levels but have no interest in in actually building the stuff themselves i was watching um you know someone creating basically like a um a pokemon arena in halo forge where because you've got a scripted ai <laughs> yeah. so you could basically throw out different balls into arena and then you'd watch like yeah ai fight down and you know whoever could be the, the victor from it be a, you know, a Marine versus a hunter, well, you yeah, know, who's going to win that? Who will guess? But, you know, essentially it was, you know, some of those levels are, are fun and funny. So to just have that kind of ability to create stuff for the community to, to go on and use really helps someone like Halo continue to be relevant to the people that have stuck with it for a very long time. And talking about the sort of burgeoning package that it's become now and the, you know, the solid platform, it's just that, annoying frustrating dichotomy i realize capitalism is it the heart as a, is at the heart of it but the basically it often behooves players to wait a year or two for a game to be its best self to to have been finished but by which time you know everyone's moved on or you know lots of people have moved on or um yep. <laughs> the, yeah the fomo's gone or um or whatever but yeah it's easier when it's a single-player game like yeah. Cyberpunk, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Tolkien Taters is our final Patreon correspondent for the show. Halo Infinite is a weird game. In some ways, it feels like a return to form. In others, it feels half-baked. The gameplay itself feels fantastic, faster, more frenetic, but still distinctly Halo. However, you're going through very samey environments and missions, alternating between a cool but repetitive open world and boring hallways for the other portion. There's not much in the way of set pieces, but the more open-ended nature of the gameplay almost makes up for that. Then it ends on another cliffhanger. It's a disappointing game because it feels like it has a lot of unrealised potential, but I played it more than any other game the year it came out and loved it. And that's all that really matters. We got a little group of three-word reviews. Follow us on social media at Kane and Rinse. Granny7989 says, Not quite evolved. Another Smith boy. Environments are samey. Bombadil's boot says fell off fast. Ben Blaster, 117. And Shields says Halo combat dethroned. It reflects the spread, as you've heard. Uh, now, to wrap up, I guess we're going to be hearing a lot of the, uh, <laughs> the, the modern mm-hmm. uh, sort of chant of it's on Game Pass, so you've got nothing to lose by checking it out. So uh, let's let, let's say let's say that we'll take that as read if you've got Game Pass. Um, but yeah, let's try and sum up our own feelings and opinions of Halo Infinite in a relatively small paragraph. Carl, I wasn't a fan at launch. Uh, going back for this podcast, it has improved in some ways. I don't think it's the ideal solution. I still firmly believe that all of 343's products sit quite comfortably below the Bungie efforts in terms of uh, standards. But also, we've got to a point now where there are people that have only really been into the Halo franchise from the 343 days. There are fans of that series that maybe aren't of the Bungie series, and it's created quite a, a you know a schism between the two of how do you keep both audiences happy. And you know, 343 have obviously tried because they have leaned more heavily into the bungee stuff. And that's kind of the stuff where it feels a little bit better in the moments, um, but the story is still very much a 343. I am actually a fan of the story in this game as well. Uh, I do think, you know, my prediction is that it will involve Cortana coming back in the next story arc in terms of controlling time. Um, I felt that way in the play up to the game. I think the, the legendary snippet that you get at the end of the after the credits kind of alludes to that as well. So I'm feeling quite comfortable about that, but also it's very hard to forgive a product that launched with no split screen, which was proven to actually be very possible in the leaks, had no co-op. It had no motion replay. It had no individual playlists, no forge mode, theater mode was broken, no new vehicles, no region select, no stats info, no mixing armor, no custom games, browser, no firefight, no infection game mode, all of which are pretty core elements of previous Halo uh, uh, franchise entries, and that kind of sucks when this had more money and more time than any previous Halo game has put into it. It's better than it was at launch. I do think it's probably a better game than Halo 5, even if I much prefer the environments from Halo 5. Um, that's, that's not saying a lot. It just it could have been so much more. Um, I, the, you know, the hope is still there, personally, where I sit right now, Microsoft have bought Bethesda. 
let's look at one of their studios and giving them Halo. Give me give me the id treatment that they give Doom, and give me an id inspired Halo uh, sequel to Infinite, and I, I'd probably be quite happy with that. So I think for me, yeah, if you've gone back and listened to the Halo Four and Five shows, you'll have got the the vibe that the the days of Halo being like a special franchise for me are long, long gone. Um, I had amazing times with the original and Halo Three and Reach on the 360, and really ever since then, it's been fading from my sort of affections. Not those games, but the the overall, you know, the excitement for a new instalment. And for a little while there, just before this one came out for real, um, I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this time, given, the, you know, what we know about the the efforts they've gone into it, the delay and delays and so on that maybe this will be the one uh i was i totally understand some people's um sort of lack of love for either um procedurally generated levels or open world design as compared as compared to bespoke curated levels and stuff but i actually felt like open world could lend itself beautifully to the core halo experience and it kind of does i think there's certainly potential in there and as i say the the package broadly on the whole runs very slickly and looks fine if not spectacular certainly on the xbox series x i played it in co-op with darren and we had an enjoyable time uh, more so i would say than halo 5 which again i probably said on that podcast we had an enjoyable time because fundamentally pointing and shooting at aliens and killing them is enjoyable especially you know if if there's enough kind of competence in the in the underlying code and the 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 visual the audio visual experience um and and this one for me was was a step up from halo 5 for sure um so yeah the game's still evolving by the sounds of it and i certainly haven't spent much time with the multiplayer or or season 5's apparent kind of spectacular return to form I'll keep it installed, even though it takes up big old chunks of hard drive space, because there is a lot to enjoy in there. But I would still, if I just thought I just want to sit down and play some Halo, I'd honestly fire up the Master Chief Collection first and do one of the levels on that that I've never done in Legendary Solo or or whatever or something. And and I'd I'd be actually interested to know what the does anyone know what the comparative numbers for multiplayer on the Master Chief Collection and Infinite are? Was it as the as the MCC actually remained kind of steady or as uh, did people actually migrate to infinite it's hard isn't it because you're, you're kind of chasing the same baseline i guess to to microsoft yeah. in some yeah. regards like it 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 matters because they can't sell them content in this well no they came to the master chief collection they did end up with that kind of scenario so i, I, don't, I don't know if it really I, I suppose it matters because you want the health of the, the newer game to be to be better but I mean, yeah, you are cam- cannibalizing the same audience, <laughs> essentially. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think yeah. yeah, the Master Chief Collection went through that same period of being woefully broken to being fixed, and a lot of people playing it just for funds and entertainment. Mm. But I think yeah, I I do still think the Master Chief Collection is more of a supported player base, from what I know. Yeah, but that might have changed yeah. now with the, yeah. the new R updates. Mm. But yes, overall, uh, an enjoyable time. But for me, not a special one. Uh, but hopefully, maybe a 
like a step towards something in the future in, in another eight years uh, when this platform is uh, <laughs> yeah. is taken down. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, wait till I was going to say wait till E3 next year, but um, that ain't happening either. So <laughs> anyway, Brian. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a disjointed experience. Like um, my experience with the multiplayer launch was, hey, this is fun, but the progression stuff seemed pretty broken and put really kind of turned me off and then came back to it this year for the campaign and the campaign and co-op like the campaign has all the problems we discussed all of the inconsistencies all of the issues with the vehicles i agreed with with every criticism leveled at it but you know when you're playing these campaigns and co-op is infinite one that i'm going to remember for forever probably not it's but still halo we had a lot of fun playing it <laughs> yeah still halo you have fun you know you have fun mm. when you're playing that and and we did we really had a good time I do think that this campaign, I remember being pretty down on Halo 5's campaign, and I mm. think I probably feel about the same about Infinite's campaign. Like, very fun to play, but as far as the story and the delivery of everything, I, it just didn't, something was off for me. It didn't feel like 3, or in my opinion, my two favorite Halo games are the non, non, non-numbered Halo games are in ODST and Reach, mm. but like, yeah. um, they, it just did, it didn't do the things for me story-wise that those other games did. But then you cut to this kind of incredibly recent, like, energy charge this game has received. Like, within the last week, date of recording. And it's the game that I'm thinking about playing tonight, you know? So it really is kind of a roller coaster of experiences. And it would be it will be very interesting to look back on Halo Infinite in October of 2024 and see with another year. Is this still something that is being talked about as, wow, they season five was when they rebounded and rebuilt it and then now it's a thriving community or will we look back on it in october 2024 and sit and say hey do you remember when it looked like they were going to save it and then it went away <laughs> so it it, yeah. it with as time will tell uh the story of this game is not done yet but it's been an it's been so much fun over the last couple of weeks to go back and play it and i'm really glad that i did because as i said multiple times before without this recording i don't think i would have would have done that and that is probably more damning of the way the game was launched than anything else. So, um, again, hey, it's on Game Pass. What do you have to lose? <laughs> um, <laughs> but but really, there is no other summary for that. You should absolutely check this out. I, ver- I ver- really would struggle to think of someone having absolutely no fun with it, especially as Tony had said previously, with the wide variety of things that you now can do in October of 2023 with this game that you couldn't do with it at launch. Yeah, give it a whirl, eh? And let's conclude with Mr. I've completed it multiple times on multiple difficulties. <laughs> um. Um, <laughs> I I think, you know, the, the chapter of where we are with Halo now is like, I, I don't think Infinite's anywhere close to my favourite of the Halo, any of the Halo games. In fact, when I think about any of them, I think it's towards the, the bottom end. And I just think mm. that is the way that the story... I actually really think that they, they did well to bring the story back into line of what more of a kind of traditional Halo trajectory of a story. But I, the way that it was delivered um, just felt so mangled in in, in, a, in trying to create the, the, the campaign into something that it, it never has been and probably shouldn't be. And I think probably the best thing that can happen to Halo right now is that the multiplayer is doing as well as it is doing and that they need to now just decouple the single player off from the multiplayer. Like, let that multiplayer be its own thing. And every three or four years, 
just deliver a Halo campaign via Game Pass or however you want to do it and get people to be excited about that mainline story again and not have to try to deliver a package that does everything for everybody all at once. Because I think what we saw was when you try to put so many aspects of a game in game development now, that in fact you water down pretty much everything that they attempted to do with just you know stuff that was almost but not quite. And unlike the, 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 the multiplayer where they spent two years fixing it, yes, we got co-op which they promised at launch. So like, I just feel like they're meeting their, you know, their requirements of what they, they promised we were going to get this. Like, I, I think there's fundamentals issues with a single player that will never be fixed. Like I don't, I don't think the open world particularly works great. And I think if I compare it to any of those more um, like the Ubisoft nation of, of, you know, those open world tick box environments, I don't even think it's particularly good out of like the many that have been before. It feels quite shallow and, and empty in that. So I guess it's, you know, for me, I wish Halo Infinite was better than it was, but it's still Halo. And I still love playing that, that, you know, 30 seconds for fun, repeated over and over again, mechanics. And for me, you know, I put 80 plus hours into the single player, um, just enjoying that kind of 30 seconds fun repeated, even if it wasn't the best version of that fun that has ever existed. So I think you know, I I still recommend it. There's a lot to enjoy, and you know, you will have a blast playing through it. But I just wish it was so much better. And you know, I, somehow I've become the harshest on the game, <laughs> which is weird, <laughs> uh, and probably wasn't expected. But no, it's just I I think you know they were so desperate to 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 change fundamentally what the the content delivery was going to be of this game that they just didn't quite get anything a hundred percent, and they just kind of you know. Mm. which is you know whatever yeah it's on game pass so <laughs> go back and play it hey no as i joke um <laughs> don't know why yeah, i bothered no. um but it's just, yeah. to me to me like as i said i had moments where it was a 10 out of 10 but overall it it kind of if it was like it it's a kind of a 7 to 8 out of 10 now so as a p- overall piece but i'm so i'm glad if in doubt always put brian last is is the message this this is why brian ends up last so often because oh, he's so gosh. often the most positive I know, I, but it's but that, it's just genuinely delightful, and it's always so sincere. I promise you all, I hate games that are very popular. I hate some <laughs> of them with a passion. I just don't talk about it very often. <laughs> That's all. I completely believe you, but no, it's only uh, it's all good. Um, so there we have it, Halo Infinite. That will be our last Halo podcast for a, probably quite a long time, like if not forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but who knows what the future may bring things that confuse the likes of me even more than battle passes. Anyway, for now, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Carl, Tony, Editor Jay, all of our correspondents, and of course you for listening. Next time, in issue 594, we'll be travelling coast to coast, mostly sideways in Outrun 2. <laughs>